Collective on KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. I'm your host tonight, Julie Murphy, and tonight we have the great pleasure of welcoming Santa Barbara poet Laurent Bosselar. Welcome, Laurent. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've been so looking forward to um, this time together. I'm really thrilled to have you here. And listeners, so you know, Laurent Bosselar is the author of several collections of poetry, The Hour Between Dog and Wolf, Of Small Gods and Griefs, and Grief, which won the Isabel Gardner Prize for Poetry, and of A New Hunger, selected as a notable book by the American Library Association. With her husband, the poet Kurt Brown, she translated a book by the Flemish poet Armand de Conin. The Plural of Happiness. The winner of the 2020 James Dickey Prize for Poetry and the recipient of a Pushcart Prize, she is the editor of four anthologies. Garrison Keeler read four of her poems on the Writer's Almanac. Bosselar taught at Emerson College, Sarah Lawrence College, and UCSB, and is a member of the founding faculty at the Solstice MFA in Creative Writing. Her latest poetry collection, These Many Rooms, came out from four-way books. The winner of the James Dickey Award for Poetry in 2020, she was the Poet Laureate of Santa Barbara from 2019 to 2021. We're so honored to have you with us, Laurent. You, you. you just made such huge, huge contributions to the world of poetry in all of your writing and editing and teaching and in your beautiful personhood. You're just such a, a great presence for all of us. Thank you. You know, I think it's because I love poetry so much that I'm still not tired of it. Mm. I, I, could, I, I hope I can live another up to my 100 years old and I'll still be mm -hmm. wanting to teach and share poems and read poems and, and, and repeat lines. Did you hear that line? You, did you, do you realize yeah. how beautiful it is? I'm just yeah. lucky to do what I love, you know? Yeah, um, uh, yeah. And your, your love just comes, it just comes through everything, everything you do. It's just really, really beautiful. Thank you. Thank um, you know, I've been reading, uh, really steeping in your work these past few weeks, and I've been so taken by your poems. Um, your language is just so gorgeous and your voice as a poet is, well, of course we all have a unique voice, but you, your voice as a poet is, it's like you're in this mission to get to the truth of things. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And, and that is my incorrigible um, curiosity. And also, you know, English is my fourth language. That's just um, amazing. And, and so, I knew French at first, Flemish, then French, then German, and now English. And so I'm still learning and I'm still putting words in my mouth and tasting them and loving them and, and hearing them maybe a little differently 
than you do because yeah. it's your mother tongue, you see. That's right. And so when you, for example, when you say, oh, I recognize that lady, I hear, I recognized. Yeah. I knew again. And so my brain is still going, oh, wow, what a great word, you know? Um, and that's that, that um, ah, passion that I have for, for words and their sounds also. Yeah, it's just, it's just so beautiful. There's so much music. There's so much music. And I want to come back to this later in our conversation, because I do have a, a question for you about that. But I, I'm also struck in your work, how you really lean into saying what must be said that is often goes unsaid. And you hold so much pain and truth and so much beauty and love. It's, uh, it's very, your work is very full of hope as well because of all of that. Thank you. This is the Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Julie Murphy, and we're here speaking and sharing poems with Santa Barbara poet Laurent Beausolard. So happy to have you with us. And we are going to hear some of your poems, but I've asked Laurent to bring in a poem that she admires by someone else to start the show off. And you've brought in something by Edna St. Vincent Millay. Yes, yes. And I, six months ago, I had read Edna St. Vincent Millay, but six months ago, you would have asked the same thing. I would have brought something by Tim Siebels or by Nicole Brown or who knows. But I have just rediscovered Edna St. Vincent Millay and her her voice in silence, you know, her mm -hmm. and, and, and the music of her words. And she's so sincere. She's yeah. also fearless, fearless in, in her poems. And so it's as if she had nudged me in about a few months ago and said, hey, Laurent, I'm here, you know, read me, read me. And now I, I can't stop speaking of Edna. So no, I'll read, that's great. I'll read a poem by her, um, which is called What Lips my lips have kissed. And in it, there is one word that is lads. And it's a word that we don't use anymore for men, you know, or for young men. Um, and lads, now I feel like saying, have you seen that young lad? And then I don't, I don't, because people are going to think I'm, I'm strange, you know, <laughs> using it. But anyway, here's the poem. The title is the first line, as you know, in, in sonnets. So what lips my lips have kissed. What lips my lips have kissed, and where, and why, I have forgotten. And what arms have lain under my head till morning. But the rain is full of ghosts tonight, that tap and sigh upon the glass and listen for reply. And in my heart there stirs a quiet pain for unremembered lads that not again will turn to me at midnight with a cry. Thus in the winter stands the lonely tree, nor knows what birds have vanished one by one, yet knows its boughs more silent than before. I cannot say what loves have come and gone I only know that summer sang in me a little while, that in me sings no more. That was Laurent Bossolar reading Edna St. Vincent Millay's poem, What Lips My Lips Have Kissed. 
here on the Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD, Santa Cruz, 90.7 FM. It's a poem so full of regret and so full of tenderness Mm -hmm. and so full of realizing that she had such beauty and such richness and and she's paying homage to it. Yes. Right? It's so lovely. Oh, it's so lovely. There's such loss and regret and... You know the comparison of the speaker with the winter tree it's and the end is so sad and so hopeless i know i know, so tender. I know. and maybe it's the voice of a person of a certain age and and um i am of a very certain age certain certain age um and so maybe that too you know when i look back to my youth and and have a quiet pain in my heart for unremembered lads mm-hmm. that never again will turn to me yes. at midnight with a cry, you know? Yes. Um, and so I wanted to bring that poem because I think we all have it and, and, and yes. we've never touched that subject matter. And, and, yes. and I thank Edna St. Vincent Millay for doing that. Well, that's right. And I, I think even anyone of any age, because I was just on a walk listening to a walk-along exercise oh, audio yes. thing the other day, and it was, it was a young woman. She must be in her 20s ha- having some of these same feelings, playing songs from her sixth grade and eighth grade there dances with yeah. the same sense of these boys are gone. They're gone. So it touches yeah. us through all our lives, yes. I think. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that image that she has of the heads that have lain upon my arm. Yes. My head that have, you know, lain upon under under her head until in the morning. And then the those arms pulling away and disappearing forever. That's right. You know? That's right. And the boughs more silent in the tree, just kind yes. of mirroring that. Yeah. Yes. Now all of our readers may not be familiar with the sonnet. And uh Laurent, maybe mm. you might mm. tell us a little bit about that. The sonnets for me are difficult, except when they have the deft in jammed rhymes. And by in jammed rhymes, I mean, you don't hear, um, I'll read the end rhymes, not all of them, but a few, you know, why lane, rain, sigh, reply, pain, again, cry. Well, I'm not sure that you heard them as rhymes in That's this right. poem, because they're in jammed, because the, the the line continues to yes. the next line. They're not end rhymes. That's and when right. they're not end rhymes, that I admire with such passion because it teaches me so much. Me, who come from another mother tongue, um, to see how it is done, and 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 all those um, sonnets teach me. Look, this is how yeah. you do it. That's right. right. And so when I walk my dog, I typed it in six font, very small. And I have five, six, seven, eight poems with me in a little booklet that I made. And then I walk my dog on the cliffs that overlook the, the Pacific. And I learned them by heart. Uh-huh. And then I, I know that after rain, there's, there stirs a quiet pain. But yeah. it teaches me the music also of English. You that's know, right. Um, that's right. And I'm I'm grateful for that. Somehow I'm not yet happy 
reading end rhymed poems, you know, da 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 dum rhyme, da 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 rhyme, da 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 rhyme. It's too heavy for me. It forces us into that kind of nursery rhyme. Yes, and points to the poem instead of pointing to its content. That's right. When it's one of the the surprises of poetry that we make patterns and then we break them. Yes. And when you have these little variations so that the the lines are jammed, you're breaking that pattern. You're you're not stopping at every thought. You're having a different pause. People who master that, like Edna or like Kim Adonizio or many others, it's music to my ears. I mean, it's like going to a concert, you know? Yeah, it's just beautiful. Just beautiful. Well, thank you for bringing that in. We are here on KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM on the Hive Poetry Collective. And I'm your host this evening, Julie Murphy. And we have the delightful company of Laurent Beausolard with us today. Well, let's turn to your work now, Laurent. Um, Would you like to read a poem? I will. I I will write a poem. entitled Dinner at the Who's Who. And it's a poem that I wrote after feeling very lonely at a dinner where I thought I was going to meet all these poets and I was going to learn things from them and I was going to meet all these wonderful people and they were all there, but very unavailable. So let me, let me read you why. Dinner at the Who's Who, amid swirling wine and flickers of silver, guests quote Dante, Brecht, Kant, and one another. I wait in the hall after not powdering my nose, trying to recompose that woman who will graciously take her place at the table and will not tell her hosts, I looked into your bedroom and closets. I smelled your obsession and brute. I sat on your bed, imagined you in those spotless sheets, looked long into the sad eyes of your son staring at your walls from a velvet frame. And I tried to smile at myself in your mirrors, wondering if you smile that way too, those resilient little smiles, one smiles at oneself before facing the day or another long night ahead, guests coming for dinner. So I wait in this hall because there are nights it's hard not to blurt out enough. Stop that Pulitzer, Wall Street, PC, Dante. Let's stop. Let's talk about our thirsts and obsessions and bedrooms and closets and the brutes in our mirrors, the eyes of our sons. There's time yet. Let's talk. I'm starving. Hmm. Beautiful. That was Laurent Bossalar reading her poem, Dinner at the Who's Who here on the Hive Poetry Collective, KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. I just love this poem, Lauren. Uh, the tension in the poem builds and spills, and the speaker is revealing little truth after little truth until they add up to this intense longing for authenticity. 
which like she really, wanted to talk to those poets. Yeah, she talk really cries out, let's talk yeah. about our thirsts and obsessions. And I'm just really drawn in. You know, the bedrooms and closets and the brutes in our mirrors, the eyes of our sons. As the speaker in the poem is giving us these longings, as she's crying for them, she's also at the same time giving them to us, the reader. She's actually doing the talking. And so it's so satisfying that way. Even the shape of the poem on the page, there's these tercets that are kind of scattered a little bit. There's an indent in the beginning of the first line and the end of the third line. So we feel this wobbliness just reading the poem, uh, you know, almost like that kind of like a little wine swirling. Um, Thank you. Yes, uh, really I, I was amazing. hoping that would that the form would indicate a nervousness and also yes. a longing and, and not what do I do? What do I say? And 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 actually, I said nothing <laughs> um, except in the poem right. when we came home. Yes. Yeah. There's other things like the, the use of the negative where you say, I wait in the hall after not powdering my nose and I won't tell the hosts. It, it gives us this, this wonderful push-pull. And, you know, we really see the speaker nosing around with all these details. She gives us her complicity. She's telling us about her transgression right from the get go. Yes. Um, so it makes her a very believable speaker. And Thank you. So the you details are so great too, that there's so much tone and feeling in the poem. It's the opening is almost like a spell cast, the swirling wine and flickers of silver. Uh, and the guests quote Dante, Brecht, Kant and one another. We really kind of just feel all of that momentum and and then later in the poem, Obsession and Brute and the velvet. Oh, that velvet frame. You've that, seen them, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. I mean, it was amazing that the, the child, it actually, uh, you know, it, I saw that frame and it, yeah. and it was blue velvet and the child looked so lost. Yeah. Um, and, and that little boy, oof. Mm. yeah, yeah, while everybody I, was talking about yeah. the Pulitzer. <laughs> <laughs> How much gets lost in that kind of conversation. Right. And, right. and then, you know, the poem builds and builds the brutes in our mirrors, the eyes of our sons. So here she's including herself in that. She's no longer just pointing the finger at the guests at the table. She, she's including herself and she's including us readers. And then that inevitable surprise in the last line of the poem, let's talk, I'm starving. And that tension between talking and eating that is what's at a dinner party. And right, right. Uh, the final right. disclosure of her inner state that she's just starving for authenticity and connection and realness. Connection is is um, what I I can never get enough of. Yeah, <laughs> never. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I think you know. I don't know if you'll agree with me, but don't we sort of write about the same thing all our lives, and and we we do it with different nuances yeah. and different voices and different imagery and different places and time and and different intelligence of things you know yes um but but i really believe that all of us write about two or three things 
And it's usually what we yearn for and what we don't completely understand. Yeah. That, we, that longing for me is longing and belonging. And I yeah. love the, the fact that in English it says be longing yeah longing and and those two words please me no end yeah and I think the the longing to understand humanity and why do people who all they all write they're all poets they're all people who in silence on a white piece of paper scribble things and then cross it out and yeah then, and, and they all do that. And then they get together and they talk about <laughs> nothing. Um, it's so human. It's so human. It's so human. It's, it, is. <laughs> it is. And we, yeah, I, I agree completely with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I'm just as uh, culpable as they are, you know, but still that's what we do, don't we? We, yeah. we, we show, we, we don't tell. I think that's part of the the call of poetry is that intimacy and immediacy and um, awakeness, awareness, connecting, mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful practice for that. But we're just as fallible as anyone else in terms absolutely. of <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what what I'd love to know what your main thing is that you write about over and over well with, I, I, I'm in the same camp as you because I write a lot about being and belonging yeah and you know I have you know 30 years of having been a psychotherapist and attachment and connection was my specialty right so right. um I, I've right. been very consumed on you know not just artistically but you know also psychologically and uh, intellectually um, with our human experience so right. of that, yeah, our, our mammalian experience of that, you know, our ascension being experience never ends, that. doesn't it? <laughs> it just never, never ends. ends, never ends. You can read 58 books a day, it won't be enough. Yeah. Um, and you can write 100 poems a day, it won't be enough. No, it's just, I have to have such a thirst only. for that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's hear another poem. We're here sure. on the Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD <laughs> 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Julie Murphy, and we have the great pleasure today of talking poetry and hearing poems from Laurent Bossalar. We were talking about form just now, right? Yes. The, the, the sonnet. And there is, for me, one form that that's my favorite form and it's the pantoum the pantoum um probably because there is that repetition yes. that grows and starts being different every time it is repeated the line has another aspect has another coloratura or has another existence right yes. than than the first time that you repeated the line this poem that I'm going to read took me about 32 or 33 years to write. I, it was a sonnet, then it was a six-page poem, then it was a narrative, then it was a, a, a prose poem, then it was actually the first chapter of a book. I mean, that event marked me so much that I could not succeed in it writing in it. And then I taught the pantoum at Sarah Lawrence College, where I, I used to teach. And I came home and said, okay, I'm going to give it another chance. I'm going to try writing a pantoum about stillbirth, and, and I will read it to you. 
Wonderful. Stillbirth. On a platform, I heard someone call out your name. No, Leticia, no. It wasn't my train. The doors were closing, but I rushed in searching for your face. But no, Leticia, no. No one in that car could have been you. But I rushed in searching for your face, no longer an infant, a woman now, blonde and 32. No one in that car could have been you. Laetitia Marie was the name I had chosen. No longer an infant, a woman now, blonde, 32. I sometimes go months without remembering you. Laetitia Marie was the name I had chosen. I was told not to look, not to get attached. I sometimes go months without remembering you. Some griefs bless us that way, not asking much space. I was told not to look, not to get attached. It wasn't my train, the doors were closing. Some griefs bless us that way, not asking much space. On a platform, I heard someone call out your name. Mm, beautiful. That was Laurent Bossellart reading the poem, Stillbirth, here on the Hive Poetry Collective. I just want to say thank you for writing this poem. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It, 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 you know, when you hear someone shout that name yes. that you had given, and it's so unexpected, right? You're on the platform, you're yes. in New York, you're waiting for the B train. You know, it's not at all um, daydreaming, at, you know, and there's noise and it stinks and the, the subways, etc. And then suddenly somebody cries out that name, really yes. shout it out, you know, Leticia, no, Leticia, no. You know, it was, it, really scared me. And I think that's finally the form gave me the occasion to write. Yes. Form is a corset. The, the, that's right. right? <laughs> that's a great. An apt description. Yes. Yes. That restraint. I cannot go over and over and on and on with the pantoum because you're not allowed to. You're stuck with the form, right? That's right. And yet somehow, I mean, the, these lines are so haunting. They really deliver to the reader that heartbreaking experience and the, the moment of hearing that name of someone who can't be there, but right. you forget for that moment. Right. And it, it's just such an accurate portrayal of how, how loss, especially, you know, a loss of a stillbirth or a, a miscarriage or all that. There's, there's nothing to hold on to even the way of a young child it's such a extraordinary or unique loss it is it's um, a nothingness you yes. see nobody saw her no right. not, not even me because it was in belgium a long time ago now it's i wrote that yeah 20 years ago you know and and it's a don't look don't look don't get attacked yes and there she went and so you can't Tell your mother or your husband or your lover or your sister, your brother, say, you know, remember how she would or remember this. That's and remember right. That. It's, it's a nothingness. And it's the morning of, a, of an absence more than the morning yeah. of a life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the, and the poem really, as a, as a listener, as a reader, it brings us to our knees in grief. And it captures that feeling, that, that nothingness that you just said. 
so precisely. And no belonging, right? And no belonging and no being. And you, no... you know, like it's just that, you know, it's like in a pregnancy, you're, you know, you're holding that embodied and, experience. And it's moving and it's, and it's right? moving right. and other people might feel the arm go across your belly or the yes. knee yes. go across your belly yes. but they don't feel all of those little flutters and and the, and the butterflies going and the up butterflies and yes. yes you yes. had that too yes yeah yeah totally yeah. It's a um yeah. and you know this form is it's such a perfect form because the um the all of the lines except one line are repeated in the poem yes all of them and, except one and the one line that's not repeated, it wasn't my train, the doors were closing. It's just so stunning in its, in its actuality, but also in its double meaning. Right, right. In, in, in the, the double, metaphorical meaning. In of the that. metaphorical um, meaning, yeah. And it, it, you know, so it breaks the pattern of the repetition. And it's also what breaks the speaker's heart, what breaks the listener's heart. Right, right. Um, and I, I actually received letters from people I'd never met, you know, from Canada and one from Australia saying, yeah. me too, me too, you know? Yes. And that's, well, that's right. It's, it is that's wonderful right. because it's one of those experiences that's so hard to talk about. Yeah. And people don't like it. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's so very, very common. And yet it's not part of our ongoing conversation. No. We, no. It's, it's extraordinary to talk about it. Yes. So um, again, I thank you and many, many thank you thank for you, writing that you. poem. And we're going to take a short break here and we will be uh, right back. This is the Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Julie Murphy, and we're here speaking and sharing poems with Santa Barbara poet Laurent Bosselar. You can find the High Poetry Collective on Facebook, the High Poetry Collective on KSQD. Our website is highpoetry.org, and you can follow us on Twitter at High Poetry. You can find and download our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor FM, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back. This is the High Poetry Collective. I'm your host tonight, Julie Murphy, and we're here with Santa Barbara poet, Laurent Beausolar. And we've just listened to her read her stunning poem, Stillbirth. I do have a secret question about this poem. Okay, go. Because, um, because <laughs> it is a pantoum. Especially in your older poems, you refer to Baudelaire quite a lot. And I'm wondering if this is a reflection of your love. I ate, drank, and slept Baudelaire, Verlaine, and Rimbaud for years and years and years because I grew up in a nunnery and they were, um, those books were banned. Banned. Right? banned. Baudelaire, Verlaine, and Rimbaud, my gosh. You know, <laughs> and so, of course, when we were 15, 16, 17, we had them and hid them and passed them on and and so that the, the nuns never find found found out sometimes they did but not with uh -huh. me and so we would learn by heart these these um prose poems and Baudelaire and then we had a a, a pantoum and it was the thing that you weren't allowed to do was of such beauty yes <laughs> you know what I mean yes and that was learning absolute beauty that was yes. not allowed 
And wow. so it was doubly. Yes. Doubly delicious. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's what I Yeah, Because know. it was forbidden. It was that much yeah. more enticing. Yes. Still have those poems in my head. I, I know them by heart, you know, yeah. because the music of those poets, we would learn. And then when we had to walk three by three, mind you, not two by two, because, you know, you never know two by two, but three by three, there's always somebody observing, right? Uh-huh. So three by three, we would walk around the, it's called a garth inside of the nunnery, the inside garden. And then we'd whisper lines, to, you know, <laughs> of and you, know, this, you know, you were talking about walking on the bluffs and memorizing a oh, poem. I still do. Yeah. So that I can see that that's been an important lifelong practice for you. All my life all my life. Yeah. And it's very hard now when you're 78. Um, <laughs> and it's the fourth language. Yes. And, oh, English is really hard to memorize for me, but I do it. That makes me wonder because English is your fourth language. And yes, you're writing in English now. I do. Yeah. And yes. I wrote, I didn't write in German. I, I wrote in Flemish and French first, uh -huh. and then in German. But I learned uh, poems by heart also in German uh -huh. and French. Uh-huh. And so what now when you're writing in English, you talked a little bit about kind of like the mouthfeel of words and mm -hmm. how you hear words different like belonging and yeah, you know, and recognize, recognize. Yeah, and yeah. probably um, remember. And, yes. <laughs> and then my beloved husband, the poet Kurt Brown, never corrected me for months and months and months because I would say table of content and <laughs> so i would tell him what's look at the table of content and tell me what page it is you know and he would never correct me because he thought it was so funny that i would say it <laughs> <laughs> i'm so content with that table it's so charming thing <laughs> yeah. does that affect when you're composing poems when you're working on poems you know does it affect your syntax because you have such interesting syntax in your poems you often have lines little clauses interrupting the flow of a sentence and yeah i uh, great am fascinated by, by syntax i love syntax yeah i love how the words are are um ordered in a sentence and what it does instead of saying the beauty of the shell on the shore if you say the shell's beauty on the shore then the shell's beauty on the shore instead of the beauty of the shell on the shore and yeah. so i repeat and repeat and you know you have a phone too there's a voice recorder yes and i non-stop as i write i read the lines and listen to them and and then rewrite the line wow. and listen to it again and, uh -huh. and also sometimes to the, the sentence is too long and then I, I make a two word sentence. Yes. So that it cuts so, the rhythm. Yes. It, it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean writing is and, and it's amazing. I, I teach at, at a low residency program. And when I have first semester students and I'll say, okay, now look at look at the syntax in your poem. And then they go, what syntax? What do you mean? And that nobody ever taught them yeah. the miracle of syntax. You know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I get that honor and I'm so excited. And then they yes. become syntax obsessive. That's right. right. Well, and you give them the love of it, the passion for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's exactly. wonderful. Well, you're listening to the Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD, Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Julie Murphy. And today we have the great pleasure of speaking with and sharing poems with Santa Barbara poet, Laurent Bossalar.
Well, Laurent, maybe now we could turn to um, your more recent collection of poems, These Many Rooms. Yes. You wrote these poems after your husband's son death. After my husband died, um, very suddenly in three days, and which shut me up for six months. And also for, I think about three months also, I was unable to cry. It was so sudden that I I just, and and I froze, I froze. Yeah, of course. um, And couldn't write. And then I remember in Holland and Belgium, people don't close their curtains as much as people do in America. And when you drive at night in Belgium and in Holland, you'll see people sitting at the table and the woman bringing the, or the man bringing dinner on the table and and people talking, people entering a room and then exiting the room, etc. And I was thinking of that because Uh Kurt, my husband, had noticed, I had, no, actually, I told him, look how people live here with the windows open, you know, and, and the rooms available to the outside and then I said ah I think that will be the metaphor Mm. these Mm -hmm. many rooms are the many rooms of our marriage the many rooms of our life together the many rooms that sometimes were dark sometimes were light sometimes were populated sometimes were lonely and so that opened the door to yes. the room of my book. Yeah, that's beautiful. And all of your work is so intimate and emotional, but these poems are especially. It's interesting that they're more spare than your previous yes. work. They're less narrative. Many are of few lines. And Thank there's you. much more white mm-hmm. space on the pages, which, of course, makes so much sense. It's the know, absence, right? The I, absence because, that you're writing about. Yes, yeah. Yes. Thank yeah. you for noticing that, Julie. Thank you so oh, yeah. much. I'll give you another little detail that's very, I needed that. Nobody else would have noticed, and I don't think anybody noticed, but I use a lot of M dashes, and an M dash yes. is a dash that is longer than the normal dash. And I asked the typesetter of my book, if he wouldn't mind, comma, please, comma, <laughs> to put a space between the word and the beginning of the dash. So it would go end of word, space, dash, space, next word. Yes. So that it would indicate there again, there's things that I can't say. Yes. Right. And, and there's so, so many said, places oh, to fall into that right, open space. Right. And yes. you trip into that yes. silence, right? Yes. You, and then you try to find words and then you come back. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I'll read you a poem. The first poem in the book is actually one long poem composed by 17 poems that make the poem, but each poem can be read completely mm-hmm. individually. And the titles are just like for sonnets, the first words yes. of the first line but actually the poem can be read without the so you title. can read straight through without all the little exactly. titles yeah beautiful i needed for months i needed for months after he died to remember our rooms some lit by the trivial some ample with an obscurity that comforted us it hid our own darkness. So for months, duties I remembered, 
rooms where friends lingered, rooms with our beds, with our books, rooms with curtains I sewed from bright cottons. I remembered tables of laughter, a chipped bowl in early light, black branches by a window bowing toward night. And those rooms too, in which we came together to be away from all. And sometimes from ourselves, I remember that also. But tonight, as I lean into the doorway to his room and stare at dusk settled there, what I remember best is how to throw my arms around his neck, I needed to stand on the tips of my toes. Beautiful, just beautiful. That was Laurent Bossolar reading her poem, I Needed for Months, here on the High Poetry Collective on KSQD, Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. That's just such a beautifully rendered and exquisitely painful poem, Laurent. Thank you. Uh, it's just so specific in all its small details and in that specificity, so universal, delivers us that loss very I was hoping. I was hoping yeah. that, that they would be universal because it's a couple, right? Yeah. All couples have different rooms and darknesses and light. And yeah. so I was hoping to open up this to, to invite people in yes. that they would recognize things in yes. that. And, and then that last image is just so devastating. What I remembered best is how to throw my arms around his neck. I need to stand on the tips of my toes. And then we, we see the couple and we feel that tremendous loss. Yeah. And I love that. He was tall. He was uh -huh. tall and thin. And I'm short and pudgy. I just love that fact that I have to stand on my toes um, to, to kiss his cheek or just to throw my arms around his neck. I'm glad that you noticed that. Yeah. This poem is also written in couplets. So yes. we have all the pairs of lines, which, of course, it's so fitting. And yeah. the second lines are indented. So it gives us that extra gap of grief, each line. Mm -hmm. We can't quite go right to the next line. There's that kind of falling into the abyss, line by line. Julie, I'm so glad that you noticed this and that you noticed line breaks. Line breaks is my passion. Oh. And why, why do I want to end yes. my line with that word? That's right. And why do I want the next line? So every line break is meant. I mean it. I mean Oh, well, it. yes. The rooms, like the rooms hold the rooms for this couple yeah. in these lives, but also the psyche. The psyche is a room. It's, you know, it's, it has some multiple meanings. Right. right. And so you have rooms, ample, darkness, remembered, beds, sewed, laughter, black, rooms, together, ourselves, also, room, there, neck, neck, toes. toes. And so we're just delivered right into the bodies. And thank you, God. What a reader. Thank you so much for noticing that because that's what I work on. Line yes. breaks oh. and syntax. And it's like a painting, you know. I tell my students, sure, do me a drawing with three lines. Great. But if you could also now give me 
shadows and colors and the time of day yes. and attention in your poem and where it goes from the beginning to the end and show me the work and show me the attention yes to the tension right oh um, and, and your lines give us those like just like like that line the opening line i needed for months after he died to remember our rooms that the need is so palpable that phrase in the middle separated by comments commas for months after he died like we have to pause there right and we feel the need and we feel the effort and you know the same in the in the line so for months duteous i remembered and that interruption with duteous we feel the effort the speaker has to make we feel the cost of that remembering we feel how hard it is how tender it is thank you and and you realize what what a pleasure it is because it gives you it gives back right what you yes. just did is oh. i have a reader <laughs> you know um you see what i mean so that we can work together yes. that's and right pay attention i remember i read it there's two painters and one of them was cezanne the the other painter i think pizarro looks at a painting of cezanne and says oh Cezanne, you put green shadows under her eyes. Shadows aren't green, they're gray. And Cezanne said, look, and he put gray over the green and her whole face lost all expression. Wow. And so Paul said, oh my God, you're right. You know? <laughs> and it's because there's a bouquet of flowers on the table and the green is reflected in the skin. Yes. under her eyes right yes. okay only people whose job it is to write see that yes but it makes a poem different it does make a poem it enriches a poem that's right what a joy what a beautiful joy and this poem has such important things in it in the writing of a poem especially something that's so emotional as this poem is you do an incredible job of restraint that you're not telling us how you feel, you're showing us. So we have paired things in the poem that add to the tension, like the, the bright cottons in the chipped bowl, the branches by the window bowing toward night, and those rooms too in which we came together to be away from all, and sometimes from ourselves, and the line, I remembered that also. And that's just such a crucial admonition in the poem. It tells us that this speaker is looking at everything. It's not a sentimental poem. It's not glossing over and only holding on to the good stuff. It's including everything. And it prepares us for that penultimate moment in the poem. But tonight, as I lean into the doorway to his room and stare at dusk, settled there we feel the shadow right his body isn't there to lean into and the the dusk the death is settling there mm -hmm. and then that devastating last stanza what i remembered best to throw my arms around his neck i needed to stand on the tips of my toes and it's just heartbreaking. It's just gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. I, I like repeating the lines as we're talking about poems because our listeners can't see the page. Right. And it helps right. to hear things again and again. Yeah. At least yeah. it, it helps me. 
Well, you're listening to the High Poetry Collective on KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Julie Murphy, and we're here today with Santa Barbara poet Laurent Bosselar. Well, maybe you'd like to say a little bit about your projects and what you've been up to as Poet Laureate in Santa Barbara. I am no longer Poet Laureate. We have a wonderful new Poet Laureate who has wonderful projects, Emma Treyes, or Trellis, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, but I'd love to talk to you for a few seconds about my project. As soon as I was asked to be Poet Laureate, I accepted with glee because I had this idea to do a anthology of poetry by Santa Barbara County and City Poets only, and then make a little anthology out of it, then um, fundraise as much as I could. And also I tried to get some money from the Academy of American Poets. Alas, I didn't get it. But trying to get money to publish that anthology to put in for free in all the waiting rooms Hmm. of all the clinics and hospitals in Santa Barbara County. Wow. So that there would be poems there instead of, you know, the the living stuff. Newsweek. And I had already started my project and there comes COVID. And the hospitals all say, sorry, Mrs. Bosselar, no reading materials in the waiting rooms, no touching of anything. I'm sorry. And my heart sank. Mm. My heart just hurt Mm -hmm. so much because I so wanted it to exist. And then a wonderful poet uh, called Chris Yost from Santa Barbara, who is also um, a a former poet laureate and a PhD and a a book designer. She's a multi-talented lady, said, why don't we do a big poster to put in all the waiting rooms with a QR code, you know, that little square, a QR code that people just put their phone there and the whole anthology will be there available for them on their tablets or their phones. And they can also take the QR code home and, and open it on their computer. Great. And the clinics and hospitals of Santa Barbara and Santa Barbara County all said, wonderful. And then an extremely generous person in Santa Barbara who does not want to be named said, I will pay for the printing of the book so that we can give an anthology to all the healthcare workers in the hospitals. Oh, wow. And so I have the anthology, it's a book. Uh And and it was distributed to all the healthcare workers in the hospitals. And it's also on a poster. And now it's also in the buses. Oh, how great. um, in Santa Barbara. So oh, how I, fantastic. I just wanted to boast about that. And that's called While You Wait. Isn't that correct? While You Wait. And it's got only poets by Shumash, by the Shumash Indians, by, it's actually the Shumash band, um, uh, Spanish poems, children's poems, seniors' poems, poems, poems. And, and, and now... Every, I mean, you know, anybody can read them online. And by the way, all you do is is type whileyouwait.org. Oh, great. 
and it's That's great. On. And we'll have links to your website and books oh, good. Oh, and, good. and uh, while you wait on our website, once the podcast oh, is up. Yes, so absolutely. And maybe you'd like to say a quick word about the uh, course you're teaching with Sunjun this fall. Two poets who are my close friends. So, but, but, but even if they weren't my close friends, I would be a total fan of their work. Um, Nicole Brown and Jessica Jacobs, um, they're married and they live in uh, North Carolina and they have established the Sun-June Collaborative. And they give free classes online. Right now it's summer, so they're uh, teaching and conferences, etc. So the, but starting again in, in, um, in the fall, they teach workshops and I will also teach uh, a workshop on revision. Now, you right. know me by now, I say revision, right? <laughs> um, I don't say revision. Um, so let's re-look, reinvent, re-see, re-understand and re-belong to the poems that we That's wrote. Great. That's and great. and it's a it's a class on revision, and all you need to do there is to type um, sunjune. Dot org. Dot org, right? Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll have that on the website also. So people I really and they are giving fabulous classes oh, also yes. and and workshops. Um, so go because Jessica Jacobs is giving a workshop on spirituality, and uh, Nicole Brown on nature. Yeah, that's great. And, we had uh, uh, Nicole on the show recently. Oh, good. I hope to have Jessica oh, on soon. So oh, good, good, um, okay. good. Yeah, that's great. Good. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you, Laurent. Maybe, um, maybe you can read uh, in closing your poem Thanksgiving um, before we sign off. Yes. What I want you to know is that Thanksgiving doesn't exist in Belgium or in Flanders. Um, so um, we, we, when I came to America and people say, oh, we all get around the table and we give thanks and we eat turkey, it was completely new to me. <laughs> um, and, and now, of course, I can't wait for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I love it. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving today, soaked with sleet, no sun for six days. Six is the devil's number. I have looked through this window at these American skies for five times, six years. This is my third garden. The first two blossomed in Belgium where there is no Thanksgiving, where my father is buried, where I was raised and raped, where I worked, where I had five lovers, but loved only one, where I gave birth to three children, a blonde son, a dead daughter, and a blonde daughter. Two trees grew in my first garden. Because of North Sea winds, they fused into one trunk. It wounded them at first, that rubbing together, the frailest tree losing sap for months, a lucid sap that glued them to each other at last. And I saw it as an omen for my life. I give thanks for the lowlands in Belgium, for Flanders, her canals and taciturn skies, for the ships on the river Scheldt, 
for coal pyramids in Wallonia, for the color of hop and the hop picker's songs, for Antwerp's whores who woo sailors in six different tongues. Six is the devil's number. My grandfather and a farmer killed six German soldiers and threw them in a Flemish moor. I can no longer give thanks for that. I ask mercy. Before I die, I'll plant a larch by that moor, miserere. I prayed six times for the death of my Jew-hating father. I ask mercy for that also. It's Thanksgiving today. I give thanks for my son and daughter, for the man I still love who taught me a new language, for this garden's trees. When I left for this vast continent, I stole a leaf from a tree behind Apollinaire's grave, sand from the river Scheldt, an inch of barbed wire from a concentration camp near Antwerp, but no weed, not a seed of it growing from my father's ashes. In Belgium, the day is almost over. A new millennium already wages its merciless murders. Miserere. A jacaranda blooms in my garden now, and two olive trees, one for my son, one for my daughter. And far from a moor in Flanders, I still pray, miserere, but for America now, for America. Beautiful, just beautiful. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. You, You're Julie. so you. generous with your time and all that you do for poetry, your passion and your mind and your love and all your beautiful poems. Um, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you, Julie. And thank you for this hour spent with you. And I think I'm gonna make a special trip and come and hug you. Oh, I'd like there that. I'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanna have you back. You're gonna have a new book out. There's so many things we didn't have a chance to talk about yet. So um, I'd love I to. hope you'll come again. Yeah. I'd love to. Thanks Thank for you. tuning in. This has been the Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD 90.7 FM. We've spent the time with poet Laurent Bossalar. I'm your host, Julie Murphy, and we'll look forward to being together again soon. You can find the Hive Poetry Collective on Facebook on KSQD. Our website is hivepoetry.org, and you can follow us on Twitter at Hive Poetry. Our podcasts are available for download on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor FM, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe. All right.